Hi, I'm Joshua Bolitsi. I'm Adrian Bukowski. We're here with Mr. Vital and Mr. Neto from the co-op program. Hi guys. Hey guys. First off, what is co-op and how is it beneficial, aside from being a requirement for Schism students? Um, co-op is an opportunity for students to earn credits um, in a in a high school, but uh, non in a non-traditional way through getting workplace experience. So it's a great way for students to explore a career while in high school. Um, it's a program that I think should be mandatory for every high school student. Um, and you mentioned the Schism program that accounts for about a third of our students. So about two thirds of them are non-SHSM students. So uh, we have quite a wide range of students that we help in the program. And we always tell the kids, you know, you would never buy a car without test driving it. And uh, high school is a great way to test drive a career to see if it's for you or not. Um, one of the examples I, I always use is I had uh, two students would do the exact same placement at a great um, veterinary clinic that we use. And uh, for one student, it really solidified her desire to be in that career. And she's currently at Guelph in her third year and doing fantastic. And for another student, it was a real eye, sorry, a real eye opener for her because it wasn't exactly what she thought it was going to be, and luckily she made that choice or that uh, change before applying to university. Totally switched up her program because in a lot of these post secondary programs, you don't get to actually get any experience in your field till second or third year, and if you figure out then that it's not for you, you've wasted two or three years of your life and thousands and thousands of dollars in post uh, in post secondary. So it's a great opportunity for uh, students here. Yeah, for sure. Um, I myself took the dual credit program where I was able to um, get a college credit from York Seneca and I found it really beneficial. What's special about our program compared to other schools? I think Mr. Neto and I have um, done a really great job here differentiating ourselves from other schools um, in a lot of different ways. One is just the type of placements that we get. Um, we really, you know, we treat every, it sounds kind of cliche, but we treat every co-op student as if they were our own son or daughter, and we wouldn't want to just put them in any experience. So yeah, we try to get the best possible experiences. And Mr. Neto and I always joke that to uh, to be good at this job, you have to be able to deal with rejection because we'll call seven or eight top-notch placements and maybe get rejected. And then all of a sudden someone will start to listen and then we can kind of go into our sales pitch, right? Most co-op teachers or most schools We'll do that over the phone. We always say it's harder to say no to us in person. Not that we're pretty faces or anything, but um, it just gives us a chance to kind of, especially for those difficult uh, type uh, of placements to get, um, that kind of personal uh, approach uh, allows us to really sell our program. And, and and a lot of these placements, and you know, Josh, you were at the University of uh, Toronto, right? U UTM, and we have three different placements we use there. They don't partner up with any other high schools. Most co-op teachers wouldn't even think to approach a university for a different type of placement like that. Uh -huh. um, and now that we have some students there, instead of us kind of trying to sell our program, now they're asking us for more students because they see the benefits not only for them, but for the students involved. And in the end, they love to partner up with high schools and kind of, um, uh, you know, give students that opportunity moving, moving uh, forward. Um, we also pride ourselves on uh, supporting the students throughout the course of the program. So just making sure that we're supporting them at the placement, making sure that they're able to complete the assignments that, that are given over the course of the, uh, the co-op semester, just making sure that we're visible to the employers and making sure there's support 
on all sides there for everybody so that everybody has a good experience with regards to the program. Yeah, and to piggyback onto that, we have, um, I have a placement this semester and one of the common things we hear a lot is if it's a placement that's actually used um, other schools, right away they can tell that we're different because we're so thorough when we do that initial placement assessment when we do all the health and safety stuff, we're there to support the students on a regular basis. And we hear quite regularly that, um, you know, we only see the other teachers from the other school once a semester and we see you guys every every couple of weeks. And that ultimately helps our program because the next time that one of our students is competing with students from another school, they're going to take the St. Martin student because we always tell them, you're not just getting the student, you're getting the program. How did you both get involved with the St. Martin's co-op program? Uh, it's actually interesting. We're both fairly new to the school here. We've been teaching for a long time. We actually started teaching together. So we've been teaching for almost 25 years. Um, at St. Martin's, or? No, so I was at St. Augustine in Brampton for 20 years and Mr. Nutto was there for? 19, I was at St. Marguerite Duville in Brampton for 19. Yeah, and uh, we actually both have a phys ed background, um, which I think has really helped us in the co-op part um, because it, there's a lot, of, um, a lot of the social skills that kind of come with being a phys ed teacher and a coach are really important in relating to students and connecting with employers as well. And the um, fact that it's a uh, sports schism school, a regional sports school. As exactly. Well. And that ties in that ties in really well with our day. with our with our background as well. Like we understand the student athlete. We understand the schedules and practices and so forth. So we offer a lot of flexibility, like not a lot of schools will offer what, what we do again. And this kind of also answers the earlier question about how we differentiate ourselves. We offer morning co-op. We offer afternoon co-op. We offer full day co-op. We tie in all the dual credits, which I'll get to. In a bit, we have students doing stuff on weekends. We have students doing stuff in, in the evenings around their schedules. So we have that flexibility. Again, it's more work for us because we have to monitor students. I mean, yesterday I was up in Markham, Ontario, monitoring a student. It was almost a full day just for one student. Yeah. But it's worth it for that, that experience that that student is uh, getting, right? He's doing plumbing at a TTC facility, brand new facility, all state of the, all state of the art um, equipment and tools that they're using. And yeah, for me, that's, you know, one student one day. Uh, but it's worth it for that experience for that for that student, for sure. Um, and then when I got here, um, the program was uh, a lot smaller. We had about 58 students that I inherited from the previous um, uh, co-op teachers that were here. And now we're up to more than double that in just a couple of years. And because the program grew, we were able to hire another co-op teacher. Um, and Mr. Neto brought a wealth of experience doing that as well. And I, I always said, you know, Mr. Neto and I are kind of the same person where if you're in my class or his class, the program's gonna be exactly the same. People call me Mr. Neto all the time. They call him Mr. Vital all the time, including some of the administrators around here. It's kind of a, a running joke uh, for us. But for us, that's great because that shows that there's the uniformity in the program and that's what, what we want. You don't need to teach your shop when you're in co-op with us, right? We also have Ms. Kyoto and Mr. Zizina that are, that are part of our team as well. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the four of us, we all have a different skill set, and we try to match that up with the students to give everyone the best the best possible experience okay so if you had to pick one what would your favorite part of the job be for me it's easy for me i love the one-on-one -on -one work that you can do with it with the uh, students in a classroom environment and we do the pre-placement part as you know josh where everyone's with us for a couple weeks before because we don't just send send students out into the placement and we make sure that they're prepared for that experience and employers always appreciate that and every couple of weeks we have an integration class here. So we deal with the students in a large group setting like every other classroom teacher would. But the difference is when we come do the monitoring and do the visiting, that one-on-one -on -one stuff, right? So 
I'll go back to my experience yesterday with the student. I sat down with that student for about two and a half hours. Um, and we, he was showing me kind of some of the learning he was doing and kind of, um, you know, just the facility that he was working at. And then we, when we looked at that, there was, we also looked at the schoolwork associated with it, right? So a lot of times people think co-op is just, you go to a placement and that's it. And as you know, be, being in the program, the feedback we always get from students at the end was it was more work than we thought, like more schoolwork than we thought, but it was all worth it because all of the learning that we do, your learning plans, your, your reflections, all of those things are all tied back to your personal growth in that exploration of the uh, career. So for me, those one-on-one -on -one meetings, you know, we can you can relate and every student's different, right? And we always tell them that everyone's doing a different placement. Everyone has different learning styles. Everyone has a different approach to learning. And it allows us to do that differentiated instruction. That's my favorite part is that one-on-one -on -one time where we can really see the growth of the students. Yeah, and the same thing when you get out to the placement and you see what the students are doing at the placement, just simply experiencing things that they could never experience within the walls of this building, right? So, I mean, there's just so many varied uh, opportunities for them out there. For example, I mean, last semester I had a student who was placed at Billy Bishop Airport in a hangar. You know, he had an opportunity to, to be working on planes with, again, state-of-the-art tools, with, you know, current practices, and just kind of preparing himself for that next step that he was looking to take at the post-secondary level, right? But once again, there's just so many varied opportunities within so many different placements and situations with amazing supervisors out there. And it really is, uh, you know, it, that's what I enjoy most is kind of getting out, seeing what students are learning out at the placement, talking to them about it, relating it to what we're doing here at school, but really just having uh, that experience and opportunity for them, for sure. Yeah, and it, it's interesting that you bring up that airport hangar, and uh, we also use one of the top, actually the top fashion designer in uh, Canada. Um, and the sports side of it, we had a partnership with uh, with Maple Leaf Sports and Enter Entertainment. And these are all things when we go to like subject council meetings where all the co-op teachers sit around once a month and kind of talk about programs, you know, just at the last one I was at, you know, they were saying how it's too bad that they can't get students in aviation experience because they don't take students at Pearson Airport. And we think outside of the box, well, there's another airport in Toronto. There's lots of opportunities down there. And again, that's kind of, you know, another way that we differentiate our program from any other program. And I always kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I wish those students came here because we can do stuff for those students here that we feel like other programs just, just can't do. What are some of the things you spend time doing after school or outside of work? Like just on a personal basis? Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of the things that's tied to the school here for me, uh, Mr. Neto and I both coached football at our old high school. So we have experience coaching a variety of things. But here I try to help out with the football team, not as much as I would like, just because of the nature of the job. Like yesterday I said kind of how long away I was and, and, and kind of how far it was, but I try to help out on game days, um, you know, and a, a couple of practices to try to give back there again, you know, in a different role. When I taught for that, I could do a lot, a lot, a lot more of that. But outside of that, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm a sports junkie, so I will watch anything from basketball to golf to, I mean, if bowling was on TV, I'd probably watch that too. Um, love to play sports too. So I, um, I love to play soccer and uh, and uh, golf, so uh, I'm definitely a sports junkie. Which again, kind of you know, when I when we work with all the sports SHSM uh, kids here, uh, we can really relate to them, and then having that personal touch with them really, again, just kind of helps our relationship building because we work with those kids for such a long period of time. Yeah, and I'll, I'll very much along the same line. So my my experience in high school as a phys ed teacher, I mean, I enjoyed participating in a variety of different sports. But in terms of what I do with my own time after school, 
uh, one of the things that I'm involved with. I mean, I enjoy playing hockey myself, but I coach my son's hockey team. He's uh, he's almost 18 years old now, or whatever. It's his last year of hockey, so it'll be the last year that I'm coaching his team. But I've been coaching his team for uh, probably about the last 12 yeah, probably about 12 years uh, with one team. So essentially uh, that takes up quite a bit of my spare time outside of school, aside from the stuff that I like doing myself as well, like playing golf, playing hockey, whatever the case may be. My daughter also plays uh, ringette at the uh, regional level. So, I, you know, we end up doing a, a lot of driving with respect to that. So the, our uh, time away from school is usually pretty busy as well. What's one trait you think other people admire about you most? That, that, that's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty uh, tough question. I, I, I would say for me, I would say the dedication because uh, again, I mean, there's a perception sometimes that co-op teachers, you know, have an easy job because we're not in the classroom. Uh, but we we work throughout the summer, um, trying to get placements. We're connecting with kids throughout the summer when it's technically our summer vacation. Um, again, that the extra mile will go. Like um, you know, sometimes I'll go home to do something, then I'll come back in to do some work and it's, you know, 6.30 and there's Mr. Neto still making phone calls and doing all that stuff. So um, kind of the perception of what a co-op teacher does and what we actually do around here are, um, you know, like night and day. So I would say if someone were to describe in this building, I, I would hope that that's what they would say, but um, I don't know, Mr. Yeah, Neto, what would you say? It's you the same thing. It's like when we're talking about <laughs> interview skills in class, right? You know, when you have an opportunity to brag about yourself, I guess you do. But yeah, I don't really, uh, I don't really do much of it. I suppose um, I, uh, I would just like to think that I'm, that I'm hardworking and uh, I guess uh, persistent when it comes to things like that. Just like Mr. Vital had mentioned, sometimes finding great placements for our students takes a long, a lot of time and effort. I tend to spend a lot of, uh, you know, my own time outside of school hours looking for those. Uh, throughout the summer, working with students, even on resumes, cover letters, getting them prepared for interviews during the summer for placements that are coming up. So, you know, in order to kind of deliver a quality program, you kind of have to to put in the work for sure. So we're not shy about working hard with respect to finding those placements and following up on them. And if that means that, you know, you have to work outside of school hours where, uh, you we're, know, we're kind of like that shopper's drug mart, the one that's open 24 seven, like, you know, sometimes you need the medication and it closes at 10. Like we always have our school cell phones with us. Yeah. And my wife is always like, you're working all the time, you know, and we'll, we'll take a call from a student if they're having trouble with an assignment at nine 30 at night, or if an employer needs to call us at six in the morning or, whatever it takes we'll do. And if you don't have dedication for this job, then it just becomes a job. And we don't run, you know, just co-op classes here. We run a co-op program and to make it a program, you need that, that dedication. Is there something you've always wanted to do, whether it's traveling or a different job or something, something like that? Like a dream, yeah. something like that. Well, it's uh, maybe you can let me know how I sound on this, uh, on this podcast, but I've always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. That was always kind of my dream. Um, I've emceed, I think, every family wedding uh, <laughs> and most of my friends' wedding, which is really difficult because when you have the same people at the weddings all the time, you need to come up with different jokes all the time. And people always say, wow, you'd have a great radio voice. And I'm like, oh, and I love sports. So um, probably a little late to do that. I do enjoy traveling, um, but if I could be a sports commentator, I remember being a kid and just practicing and kind of reliving big sports moments from before you guys were born when the Jays made it to the playoffs in the first time and, you know, pretending that I was watching it for the first time and practicing and kind of critiquing myself and 
for whatever reason, I never kind of went there. You know, I've been on TV a few times just for a few other things. Uh, so I don't have the uh, the face for television. So I think more the voice for radio, I think maybe would have been uh, my kind of dream job. But co-op's pretty, it's a pretty, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say that it's a job that I don't enjoy for sure. Like, you know, uh, I come to work looking forward to going to work. I'm excited to go to work. You know, when it's Monday, I'm ready to go. Like sometimes people are walking around the building like, oh, it's Monday. And I'm like, oh, it's Monday. Let's go. Right. Yeah. And I, I would probably say the same thing. Like, I, I definitely like the job that I'm doing. I mean, at times there's frustration levels in dealing with uh, with situations and just like any other job. But I mean, I, I would say in terms of teaching, I really enjoy the job that I'm doing right now. If, it, if you're asking me about outside of teaching, I mean, uh, yeah, if I was uh, if I had different genes and not from Portuguese parents, maybe I could have been a pro <laughs> basketball player or something like that. <laughs> something along those lines. Uh, yeah, pro athlete would be fun for sure. I love I love traveling, so if I could get paid to do that somehow, uh, just let me know. I'll definitely. Uh, yeah. See if you were if you were a pro athlete, yeah, and I was broadcasting your games on the radio and we got to travel together to those oh, games, that would be maybe the, that. the, 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 the double dream job. It's yeah. funny because when we went to teachers college and we finished and then we took, we essentially kind of had already a plan and not a plan in place, but we had talked about like maybe one day we can work together and that would be like a really good thing. That would be a lot of fun, like as friends working together. So it ended up working out. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, kind yeah, of funny. Yeah, That's yeah, a long was, time ago. Yeah. yeah, it was a long, a long time ago. So. Yeah. All right. So lastly, many students believe they're not given enough time to truly figure out what they want to do after high school. Do you agree with this? Yeah, it's it's very different. When we were in school, there was that fifth year, right? We used to call it OAC, call it grade 13, call it whatever you want. And it it, it is, you know, a very short time. I mean, I, I'm actually tonight, I'm going to start the the grade eight visits because my daughter's in grade eight, my son's in grade seven. So they have to pick a high school to go to next year. And High schools are all trying to differentiate themselves with different things right now. And my daughter, like, is legitimately stressed about what school to go to, how it's going to affect her career. And I'm like, hey, you're 13 years old, you know. After you finish that book report, go outside and play basketball. Um, and there's so much pressure on students to kind of decide even, you know, should I go the college route or the university route or a trade or what, you know, what my parent was. And the reality is a lot of times at, at your age, you don't even know or understand all the different careers, right? Like I had a student um, uh, last year or two years ago um, that wanted to kind of, it's back kind of in the veterinarian experience and they decided kind of the schooling wasn't really for them, but also in the same uh, building, they had an animal grooming thing, which is a totally completely different path than becoming a vet, but still working with animals, right? And that kind of opened her eyes to that scenario. Um, I always tell the story of, you know, my daughter, she has some flat feet, so we go see a uh, chiropodist, which is some type of foot doctor. I had no idea what a chiropodist was until I actually went um, and kind of met Dr. Dr. Julie. And she told me her story, which I could relate to. So as a high school co-op student, she thought she wanted to do physiotherapy at the physiotherapy clinic. She met a massage therapist, an acupuncturist, um, a chiropractor, all these different kind of areas. And that's when she met the chiropodist for the first time, thought it was cool and it kind of inspired her. That's the other thing co-op does. It puts you in an environment where you can see not only the career you're exploring, but all the supporting and different types of uh, careers. With the trades, I spoke to my student yesterday, the last, not the last, but two plumbing students ago that I had, um, there's always this kind of argument at the job site of who goes first, the plumbers or the drywallers. And he was like, what's drywalling? And he thought it was kind of cool. And now he's drywalling full, full time, right? You always look at a wall in your house and you never really thought of how that wall got up there and that kind of process. And it's 
kind of like a puzzle you've put together. So again, I do think it's very difficult for students to do that, but another, just another reason why co-op is such a great way to at least get your foot in the door. And even if it's not something you want to do, if it's something you rule out, that's still a great, a great opportunity. Yeah. I, I would probably tend to agree that high school is really quick for you guys now, four years. But I mean, my experience has always kind of been sometimes when there's a fifth year, some students were kind of dragging at that point in time and, and just uh, really looking forward to that next step and couldn't wait to get out to that next step. Whereas sometimes, so what I'm really trying to say is it really just depends on the student, right? Like some people, by the time they're finished grade 12, they're just ready to move on. Some people kind of need that extra time and there's nothing really wrong with either scenario, right? It really depends on the student and the situation, right? And yeah. My situation, my, my kids are a little bit older than Mr. Vitale's. My son's in grade 12 this year and he's got to make a lot of decisions pretty quickly, right? And, you know, once again, uh, for him, I would have probably said another year might have been good, right? Yeah. Whereas for other people, they're, by the time grade 12 ends, they're, they're ready to go, right? So well, yeah, and to kind of go full circle, when you asked the first question, you mentioned how you did the dual credit, Josh, and you're going to be with me again um, next semester doing yeah, a different right. dual credit opportunity. Um, I think dual credits play a huge role in that as well. And I was going to touch on that in the first question, and I kind of went off on a tangent, as I tend to do even in the classroom, because you've been my student, so, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to talk. Um, but dual credits, for those of you that don't know that are listening to this podcast, are an opportunity while in high school to get some college experience, to get college credits. The reason it's called a dual credit is you get not only a college credit, but also a high school credit. And it also allows you to see what that next level of education is like. So you get to experience that. And you did, Josh, ready. You love it so much that you're going to come back. So, you know, you were at York University through Seneca College, right? So yeah. you got to see what that travel is like. You can definitely see that the way that courses are taught at the next level is completely different from here. The way assignments are submitted, yeah. all, of, all of the expectations. And sometimes that taste of post-secondary at the next level really lets students know whether they're ready for it or not. And again, those programs are free. They're all covered by the Ministry of Education. We would we would go through the, that application process kind of with you. But um, again, for any students listening out there or any uh, parents, the key with co-op is to get on our radar earlier rather than later, right? We try to speak to all the grade 10 classes. We try to speak to all the assemblies, even when the grade 8s first come in, that the earlier we have, um, we know who you are and where um, what experience you want, we can start to target your path and even lining up some of your uh, courses. Like we have three students doing electrical next semester in a, a special dual credit called a level one accelerated OYAP apprenticeship. That's a lot of information there. But in order to be eligible for that program, students needed certain courses. So we kind of work as guidance counselors too, setting up all the right courses so that you have the prerequisites for the career, for the college or for the university program. But dual credits and they're offered, I mean, there's about 60 to 70 a semester offered in all sorts of things you may not have even thought of. Could be animation. Josh, you did yours in journalism and obviously you have a passion for it doing this now. Um, we have it in photography and the trades and criminal justice and sports medicine and leadership. And I mean, you know, in uh, 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 animal services, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. Okay, so thank you for your time, both of you. And um, anyone interested in co-op, meet with Mr. Neto or Mr. Vital at the co-op office. Sooner the better. Every time they come, I can't help it. I just smile.